0: Ephesians chapter 6 is where we learn about the armor of God. And we want to look over the next. Uh, six weeks or so leading up to Easter on how we can put on each piece of armor to be able to uh, fight against the enemy that is trying to derail us from following Jesus. So really excited about that. But today is our last week in the book of Galatians. And so far we have looked at all of the chapters leading up to chapter 6. And we said at the beginning, and hopefully you've seen all throughout Galatians, of Paul's thesis. The thesis that he has developed all the way through is Jesus is the only way to true freedom. What Jesus has done for us on the cross, something that we can never do for ourselves, he purchased our freedom. He freed us from the prison cell that we put ourselves in. He rescued us from drowning, so to speak, brought us out and wants us to live for him. And throughout Galatians, Paul says, you can't find freedom in people-pleasing When you try to be somebody that you're not, you don't find freedom. You can't find freedom in religious systems and trying to work your way to God. That's not freedom. You can't can't find freedom in trying to gratify your selfish nature. Because even though it feels good in the moment, it ends up leading to a life of emptiness. You can't find freedom there. Paul says it's only found in Jesus. And as we get to Galatians chapter 6, Paul is going to give us a few practical examples that could lead to us really embracing that freedom. But it's not just the freedom for us, it's other people's freedom as well. So here's what the Apostle Paul says in the first three verses of chapter six. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful, not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this, in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. Paul says, you are not that important. Now, if you have read a lot of Paul's writing, you know he is so blunt. And I love those last words. He's like, look, you are not that important. And I think the reason Paul has to say that is because when we wake up every day, we believe we are important. In fact, we believe we're the most important person in this universe. And even though we don't walk around and say, hey, my name is Eric and I'm important, we live that way. We think everything should run through our grid. We think about our lives more than we think about anybody else. And Paul, knowing that, says, look... You are not that important to think that life is all about you. There are people in your life going through hard times. And just like you would want them to be there for you, you need to be there for other people. And he talks about the burdens of life. When any of us go through hard times, hopefully we have people in our lives that we can immediately text or call or they'll come over and share those burdens with us. But one of the things that Paul says It's not just the burdens of life, but he's saying when other Christ followers go off the path of following Jesus. And sometimes we are so invested in our own lives that we don't even recognize that some of our own brothers and sisters in Christ have started to walk away from Jesus. Now oftentimes people aren't just going to announce, I'm not following Jesus anymore, come and help me. But you start to slowly see things change in their life. Their values change. The way they act change. They go back to old ways of life. Maybe they're not coming to church as much. Maybe they're not reading the scriptures as much. Maybe when you ask them to pray for you, they don't get back to you like they used to. There are people in your life right now, either blatantly or probably subtly, Walking away from the path of Jesus. And what Jesus says to us through the Apostle Paul is this they are going to come back hopefully, but the way that he wants to do that is not from shouting from the heavens, I want you to return to me. He's going to do that through you and through me. And so think about it is there truly a family member or friend that you've been journeying with in Christ? That you look at them and you think they're not next to you anymore. They've gone off another path. They've gone off to another detour. Maybe the person has returned to an old sin pattern. Maybe that person is angry with God because of something that's happened to their lives. And they're like, look, I don't want anything to do with God anymore. Or maybe some of them, and this is the hard part, and you have to think about this. Some of them come to church, they pray, they read their Bible, they talk the talk but they're really judgmental. They don't give grace to people. They don't love people. Their lives don't look like Jesus. They may say they worship Jesus, they may come to church, they may read the Bible, they may pray, they may give, they may do everything, but they don't look like Jesus. Maybe they bought into religion, or maybe they have bought into moralism, but they're not following Jesus. God says, look, if that's your friend or family member, you can't punt it to me. You can't say, hey, Eric, will you go talk to my friend? Go talk to my family. They're not following Jesus. I would be glad to pray with you. I would be glad to help you give you the words, but that's on you. If someone is in your life that is not following Jesus, where God says you go to them, and be careful that you don't do what they're doing right now, but slowly and gently bring them back to him. Use your freedom to help other people rediscover freedom in their own lives. Paul later, he changes a little bit on what he's talking about and gives another practical example in verse seven. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now, let's begin with the first part here, excuse me. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. What Paul is saying is this. There is a fairness to God based upon how you and I live our lives. And what he means by that is, there are consequences, good or bad, based upon how you use your freedom for Christ. If you are doing things selfishly, don't be surprised if there are negative consequences to your life. And then on the other side, if you are truly following Jesus, and you are loving God and you're loving people, You are living a life in which God will bless. Now, he's not saying it's going to be an easy life. He's not going to say that everything's going to go well. But he's saying his spirit will be with you. You'll have peace and joy and all the things that he will give you if you follow him. This is the natural outcome of following God. But you can't mock the justice of God. You can't live any certain way and think you can get away with it. Because there's consequences to your actions, either good or bad. And the Apostle Paul, he says, you will harvest what you plant. Now he's going to get practical for a moment. And another way to say this that I thought is easy for me to remember is what you sow will eventually grow. What you sow will eventually grow. And I, I want you, Of all things that I say today, if you remember this, when you go home today, this will not only change your life, but it will help you truly stay on the path of following Jesus. You will sow what you eventually grow. I want you to say it with me right now. Ready? You will sow what you eventually, sorry, let me redo that. You're like, what are you saying? Let me try it again. Let's say that together. What you sow will eventually grow. Good. That's better. What you sow, what you plant in life, like what a farmer plants, will eventually come up. I love this quote. Um, Well, I'll get there in a moment. It's just like with corn. If you plant corn seed, what's going to come up? Corn. Not rocket science, right? If you plant wheat seed, what's going to come up? Wheat. This is participation. Let's try one more, okay? When you plant watermelon seed, what comes up? what you plant in your life will come up. Whatever you plant, that seed, what you sow will grow. This is what Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson says. It's such a great quote. He says, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Little things that you plant in your everyday life lead to what ends up, being, that ends up growing in your life and that will be harvested, that other people can take from your life. And the Apostle Paul says, what you sow will eventually grow. And you have two choices when it comes to seeds. There's only two. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in the first part of verse 8 here. He says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Now, we're going to call these seeds self-centered seeds. If any of you have ever been to Burger King or you've seen their commercial, what is their tagline? Have it your way. Burger King wants you to come into the restaurant And they want to say, have it your way. However you want your burger, however you want your fries, whatever it is, you have it your way. And I think many of us have adopted that as our life motto. Have it your way. However you want to live, just have it your way. It's all about you. It's all about me. And when we live a life that's all about me, it's all about our way, we continue to plant self-centered seeds in our relationships in our workplaces, in our schools, in our marriages, with our kids and grandkids, in our friendships, at the chapel, you will continue over and over again by what you think, by what you say, and how you act. And oftentimes, it's subconscious. You will plant these seeds over and over and over again and the apostle Paul says, when you live this way, that's all about you, when you want to have it your way in all things, what you are planting will eventually grow. And Paul says, it will be a harvest of death and decay. Now he's not talking about literal death. All of us are going to die someday. He's talking about what is the opposite of life-giving kind of life, that's what you're going to reap. It is going to be a life that is not a blessing to others. It is not going to be a life that God can truly use in a way that he would get glory from because he can use people that are humble and gentle and loving and those kinds of things. And if all you do is reap seeds of self-centeredness, what you will reap will not give life, but it will be Death, it will be decay. It won't do any good for those in your life. That's why the Apostle Paul says in the last part of verse 8, the other option is this, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is not talking to just general people here. He's talking about Christians, Christians have the opportunity to sow me-centered seeds or the-centered seeds. Self-centered seeds or spirit-centered seeds. You have one option that you can choose or another option. And when you live this kind of way, when you plant spirit-centered seeds in the lives of others... You flip Burger King's motto, have it your way, and instead you say, God, you have it your way. Not my will, but your will be done. And I'm going to plant those kinds of seeds In the lives of my friendships, in my relationships, in my marriages, with my kids, with my grandkids, in my workplaces, in my schools, at the chapel, in all areas. I'm going to plant something. It's going to be about Jesus. And Paul says when that harvest finally comes up, it will give everlasting life. It's the opposite of death and decay. It's life-giving. God can use your life in an amazing way to bless others, and you will be a blessing to God. You will be given living a life that glorifies Him. It's either me-centered or the-centered. It's self-centered or spirit-centered, and what you sow will eventually grow. You can't mock the justice of God. You can't plant certain seeds and think something else will happen. It is not just agricultural. It is spiritual. What you plant will eventually grow. Let's make this as practical as we can so you can see that this is real life. I want to look at three areas of life that affects all of us on a daily basis. Our relationships, our finances, and our relationship with God. Here's the first one: our relationships. You have a choice in what you end up sowing. Self-centered seeds, I just picked out a few, look like this. Pride, anger, jealousy, bitterness, gossip, conditional love. Every single day, whether you recognize it or not, you have a choice in what you plant, what you sow. From these seeds, something will eventually grow. And if you are planting these kinds of seeds on a daily basis, you will reap a harvest of decay and death in your relationships. If you look at your relationships and you don't like what they look like, stop blaming other people and start looking at what you're planting. Where you are in your relationships with people now is what you've been planting over the last days, weeks, months, and years. And it's reaping something. Or Paul says you can plant spirit-centered seeds from humility and patience and peacefulness and forgiveness and truthfulness and unconditional love. Imagine your relationships if you start planting those kinds of seeds every day. Because what you sow will eventually grow. Your marriages, your relationship with your kids and grandkids, not just now, but in the future, your coworker relationships, your relationships with your friends are a byproduct of how you live every single day. You and I are planting seeds every single day. And whatever's coming up is a result of what you sow, because what you sow will eventually grow. Our finances, self-centered seeds look like this, an insatiable desire for more, stinginess, envy, living above your means. Spirit-centered seeds look something like contentment, generosity, being thankful for what you have, living within or below your means. Some of us, as we look at the financial landscape of our life, some of us are like, I don't have any money. (laughs) And yet, if you look at what you're planting every day, the reason you probably don't have enough money, it could be because you're trying to live above your means, or you want what everybody else wants. You're not content in what you already have. You have an insatiable desire for more. But if you're planting every day that you're okay with what God has given you, you're thankful for what he's given you, you want to be generous to all people, you're living within your means or below your means, it's probably a good financial structure for you, a good outlook for you, because what you sow will eventually grow. In God's economy, he has set it up so that if you live a life of self-centeredness, you're going to reap a harvest of that. But if you live spirit-centered, you're gonna reap a harvest of that too. Our relationship, our faith in Jesus. Self-centered seeds look like apathy, judgmentalism. It's just based on feelings. We treat God like a genie, give me what I want. I want my wishes granted. And we live a life of my will be done. Spirit-centered seeds are discipline and grace and it's faith-based. It's relating to God as a father. And you're saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. And what you sow will eventually grow even in your relationship with God. God will do most of the work for us. I mean, he really has. He's created you. He's redeemed you in Christ. You are sealed by the Spirit. He will protect you and keep you on the path. But this isn't a one-way relationship. He has created us to join him in this partnership. And as we walk with Jesus, we have a choice in what we plant because what we sow will eventually grow. So if you're not happy with your relationship with Jesus, I can promise you this, it's not God's fault. (laughs) What are you doing to make sure your relationship is exactly what he wants in your life too? For what you sow will eventually grow. Now, the Apostle Paul, he goes on and says these words. So, as a result of this, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. What I love about Paul's words is that it's such an encouragement, especially when we get discouraged. Because some of you are here saying, okay, I'll buy into what sows will eventually grow, but I'm not seeing the growth. I'm not seeing the harvest. I'm not seeing the fruit on the trees yet. So what do I do in that? And the apostle Paul says, look, you can't control when the harvest comes, but what you can control is what you plant. Plant seeds every day. Don't get discouraged. Keep doing it over and over again because you will see an eventual blessing, or you would reap a harvest from that if you don't give up. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, new farmers will experience a lot of anxiety watching the dormant seed for weeks and feel like it will never come up. But it always comes up in the end. It always comes up in the end. So for you in this room, if you are planting those spirit-centered seeds You keep planting and planting and planting and watering and watering and watering and eventually it will come up and it will be beautiful. It will be a blessing. In fact, in the previous chapter, Paul tells us exactly what that blessing will be internally and externally. Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You will reap a harvest internally and externally of that because what you sow will eventually grow. God promises you keep planting what is spirit-centered, what is thee-centered, and not what is me-centered, and eventually you're going to see your life. It will be life-giving, but you don't know when it's going to pop up. Some of you have been planting seeds in your kids' and your grandkids' lives, and they're a lot older. And you're like, I don't see any harvest there. Paul would say to you today, don't give up. In your marriage, you may say, it just feels one-sided. I, I, I'm planting these seeds while well, my spouse is planting these seeds. What he says to you today is, you don't give up. If you, live a, if you work in a toxic workplace where everyone's just gossiping and they're conditional in their love and they're envious of everybody and you're trying to live separately and people are just ridiculing you and they say, who cares about Jesus and whatever that is, you keep planting seeds. I don't know if I've told this story or not, but it's worth telling again. I was standing over here as this three and a half, four hour line was walking through to say their condolences to Lori Enderly after Todd Enderly passed away. And As I'm standing there, this guy walks up to Lori and he looks at her in the eyes with such conviction. He says, Lori, I need to tell you something. Your husband made it worth it to come to work at this factory. For the last 30 years. Now I don't know if that guy ever said that to him. But he said it with some, such conviction. I'll never forget it. Not because he was such a nice guy. And it made Lori feel really good. But I will never forget it. Because it is the principle of Galatians 6, nine. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Todd's life reaped a harvest even after he died because he continually, daily, in the face of adversity, planted seeds that weren't self-centered, but they were Jesus-centered. And he reaped a harvest when he was here, and he reaps a harvest after he has been gone. What you sow will grow, not just here, but beyond your life. Do not give up. The Apostle Paul, he says this, So therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, if you're a farmer here, you're probably going to make fun of me because I'm not really good at really giving the technical version. But if I'm correct, you're planting seed so it will grow so that you can sell that to grocery stores and other markets So that other people can benefit from it. And so can you. That's how you make a living. That's what we're called to do in our lives. We plant seeds. So it will reap a harvest. So that other people can take from it. And what Paul says is when you live this kind of life. It's life giving and other people will benefit from it. He says all people will. Just like when someone's in need and you're really living for Jesus, you want to meet that need. Now, you can't meet everybody's needs. You can't help every stranger, but you're going to help somebody. But in your family, if one of your family members or your closest friends need something from you, you will do anything to help them. So you want to help everybody, but you can't help everybody, but you really will do whatever it takes for family and closest friends. And that's what Paul says here. When you live a life of blessing— You will want to help everybody. You can't help everybody, but try your best. But when it comes to those inside the church walls where your brothers and sisters, when there is a need because there's a harvest to take from, we want to help meet that need no matter what it is. Emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially, whatever it is, we want to do good especially for the family of faith because we will do anything for each other. I mean, imagine all of us living a life where every moment of every day from the time we wake up, we don't say, man, today's about me. And again, you're not waking up saying that, but just look at the seeds you're planting and you will know that what you sow will grow. Look at your life right now. Look at your relationships. Look at your finances. Look at your relationship with God. Look at every aspect of your life. Do you like what you see? Because what you see is what you've been planting. But it's never too late to plant new seeds. You can start today. I had a bad moment with my son this morning. And I just thought to myself, I was so discouraged. I felt like the Lord said, no, 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 no. You have a chance now to start planting new seeds. You can do that. Don't give up. Because you will reap a harvest of blessing. That will even go beyond your life. Because what you sow will eventually grow. The Apostle Paul, as he closes... The letter to these Galatian churches writes about his harvest in his own life. And I just thought, man, what a way to end our time together in Galatians. To see how Paul has lived his life. And he says, here's my life as a result of spirit-centered seeds being planted amongst you. And what a life that you and I could live if we lived the same. So as I end this time, this passage is just going to be our prayer. And Paul will say amen and that will be our amen as well. Here's what Paul says about his life. May it be our words too. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. It's about about the outward appearance, what counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle, for they are the new people of God. Now from now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday.